Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be with my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just entertain, but educate, teach. You call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, Jim Kramer. Relentless or insane? No, that's not a self-description. I'm talking about how this market could be up for 14 of the last 15 weeks to the point where we've almost forgotten what it's like to go down. This hasn't happened since 1972. With interest rates tame and earnings much better than expected, investors have learned that you're much better off owning stocks than merely trading in and out of them in the And that is something I totally agree with as I discourage trading. Can this continue after a solid session where the Dow dipped 55 points, but the S&P gained 0.57% and the Nasdaq pole vaulted an incredible 1.25%? Looking forward, it would take something really nasty to derail this rally. I mean, maybe it could be something like next week's Tuesday's Consumer Price Index reading? Without some extremely cool inflation data, the Fed's most likely on hold. And like I always tell you, the best time to own stocks is the period between the Fed stops hiking rates and starts cutting them. In other words, if we get a not-too-hot, not-too-cold CPI number, we can postpone the cuts and keep positive reactions to good earnings. We want good earnings, and we want the Fed ultimately to cut, but not start yet. As pernicious as inflation might be, never forget that it's evil twin deflation can stop an economy in its tracks as people will endlessly wait for lower prices before they buy anything. That's what's wrecking China right now. And I think we'll start seeing some of that exported deflationary prices from the PRC. Let's hope they get passed on the consumer that the Federal Reserve says, hey, we got another tailwind going here. Hey, speaking of consumer savings, you might want to snare some TJX because today we learned that Children's Place and Big Lots, these are big chains, are hurting. They may be in need of liquidity. What can they do to raise some? Well, they should start selling some of their excess inventory, perhaps most likely to TJX, which will take the best. Now, we own this one for the Travel Trust because it's always the winner in these situations. And that's why with prices, its prices are so much lower than everybody else's. Had to put that out there because that's something I want you to buy on Monday. And with that, let's get to the rest of the game plan. I like to hide this little area here. Can you see me? Okay. Uh, Well, Monday, we hear from two hard-to-understand, I admit that, scorchers, Arista Networks, the cloud networking company, and Cadence Design Systems, which provides software that customers use to design semiconductors and other electronics, including video hardware for AI. It almost tracks the stock of of NVIDIA. Now, these two all hit all-time highs today, which normally would be a red flag for me. It means they're coming in way too hot. Now, though, with this, with this market, 
It just depends on the quarter. If the quarters are good, I think the stocks go higher. How do you like that? Tuesday, Shopify, okay? Now, Shopify is one of my favorite companies for a long, long time. This is the back-end office engine for all sorts of e-commerce. I see no lot up whatsoever in online shopping, which means there's no lot up in business for Shopify. We get results from Coca-Cola, too, and I hope it's better than PepsiCo, which had a nasty disappointment, but the bad news seems to be limited to the Pepsi snack division, Frito-Lay. Coca-Cola has no snack business. That said, this market has no appetite for boring beverage companies or anything in packaged foods. So don't expect much excitement here, even if the quarter's great and the company is well-managed. Here's one that's been a consistent winner. It's called Marriott. No matter what happens, this stock continues to go higher because it's viewed as part of a bullish travel package along with Airbnb, which reports after the close that day, Booking Holdings, and Royal Caribbean, which was down badly today. Kind of interesting, but this is the same in Florida. Of course, they're all powered by none other than American Express. Deserving? Marriott has the numbers. But if it could ever, if it ever falls short, you could have an Expedia on your hands, which had a rare shortfall and spoke negatively about recent trends, sending the stock plummeting nearly 18% today alone didn't help that CEO Peter Kernan. I'm sorry, Peter Kern is moving on. And now, Peter Kern is a guy, I, you know, I, I tried to get a hold, I tried to see him last time I was in Seattle. I thought it would be terrific to see the guy, you know, just kind of like just spend time and see him. That's how good he is. I didn't get a chance to. I, I don't know. I, I guess he wasn't there. Now, I've, I've got three more winners pegged in the morning, and that's AutoNation, the used car dealer, Zoetis, Animal Health, and How Met Aerospace, new one for the show, How Met Aerospace. That's the airplane parts company that Ben Stoto, has nicknamed, research director, has nicknamed How I Met Your Mother. So How I Met Your Mother is a total winner here. Uh, all three have consistently delivered good numbers, especially the stalwart How Met. No matter what troubles occur next to Bowie, it doesn't ever seem to stick to How Met. Nibble. Now, I mentioned Airbnb a second ago, okay? And this one's a little trickier. Hey, by the way, so is Upstart, the consumer lending play that reports after the close. Both stocks are heavily shorted. In this tape, the shorts all seem desperate, so they lean on the positions no matter what. If the shorts bang down Airbnb, I think it's a buying opportunity. But I'm skeptical of Upstart because it's up huge on a short squeeze. Let's keep going here. People hate the consumer packaged good stocks, right? But they've warmed up to the worst one, Kraft Heinz, because the stock's already been obliterated. I wouldn't touch this one for anything but a trade ahead of the quarter. Wednesday morning, as packaged food companies are all out of style in what we call the Wall Street fashion show. Cisco, not the food kind, but there's a networking kind. Reports after the close, and we just heard about potentially big layoffs today ahead of the quarter. The market interpreted that as positive, but I'm a little concerned because I expected the networker to hold off on layoffs until they close on the Splunk acquisition, which is still waiting for European approval. Then there's Occidental Petroleum, where Warren Buffett's been executing what I call a creeping takeover. Oxy's heavily levered to the price of oil, but I've seen some of the oils deliver good numbers, like Chevron, and they give you a quick pop in the stock. Could happen there. Let's go to high-risk Thursday. First, we have Crocs, which is a 10% short position, and, and it should be knocked down by the shorts no matter what they report. How about Deer, which has missed earnings estimates several times because the agricultural business has stalled out. Grains aren't roaring enough for farmers to spend fortunes on new equipment, so they stay away. Hey, then there's Wendy's. I'm not sure we're going to get good numbers here after the change in management, as Todd Pennegore is out. I'm concerned that we'll see more merely OK numbers, which confuses me, given how much my family loves Wendy's, especially the bacon eater herself, my wife, Lisa. Next, we have the big game this weekend, and I think that could mean big numbers for 
DraftKings. I just don't know if great news about the Super Bowl game. Game of a hold. Maybe it comes out Monday and it's too late. Um, that said, new accounts are the lifeblood for DraftKings, and I bet the appearance of Taylor GDP Swift, a nickname I coined because the revenues are as big as econ- of many economies, could spur a ton of new female gamblers. As long as Bitcoin keeps going higher, we're going to see Coinbase rally as legitimate. That's legitimation of crypto. Here's a winner, Trade Desk, a company that rivals Google, okay, when it comes to placing uh, ads online. Trade Desk consistently beats the numbers, advertising strong on the big websites, which means good business for these guys. Coinbase, they can say anything, it doesn't matter. If crypto rallies, they rally. Uh, and then finally, air compressing pumps uh, at Ingersoll Rand. That has been a great business because of infrastructure. And Otis, Judy Marks holds an analyst meeting. She's going to hit it out of the park. Incredible story. And then Friday, we have to find out why Treehouse, which is just this amazing company, when it comes to making the white label foods, the generic foods, the knockoffs, it's been doing so badly. Why don't we find out why? I do not know. Uh, Costco and Walmart are doing well. Let's see. You know what? Let's take some calls right now. That's what I think we should do. Why don't we go to James in Michigan? James. Yes, Mr. Kramer, quick question for you. I'm a long-term buy and hold investor. I've been in Johnson & Johnson forever. It's about uh, 20, 25% of my holdings. Um, I sold a little bit of it a while ago, but it was around 175. But I usually pick some up right before it goes ex-dividend, as it is right now. So my right. question is, what is your long-term prognosis on good old J&J? Johnson & Johnson must solve the talc problem. They must. They have to solve what happened there, whether they have asbestos in it or not. Once they solve it, then the stock will go up. But it cannot go up until then because people do not like to be affiliated with companies that are just one giant lawsuit. Robert, New York, Robert. Jim, do you know what today is? Are you ready for this? It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jim. This guy. You are the man. I, I want Robert to come. Because my wife has forgotten the birthday. If it shows him watch the show, how is she going to know? Mrs. Kramer has to love you because you're a kind guy and you are just like, I mean, come on, Jim, it's your birthday. And this is like, you make us money and you're kind and you make us a lot of money. And, you know, you made me, you you know, the other day, Jim, you had a conversation with me on the air when you talked about a stock that you said, don't be worried about it. And you know what? I pulled out. I made I made fourteen thousand dollars because of you on a firm. And then I pulled out because you said, Robert, don't worry about left kid. You are making me money every almost every single day. Holy cow, Robert! I mean, I, thank you. No, hey man, thank true. you. Now see, I'm going into the weekend. I need to hear this. Your your cautiousness, your even keel, and you're just nice. And I don't know what else to say. But let's let's get let's go forward with this. And I sure. feel like you're I feel like you're my brother, and I know you don't want to have a beer because you don't drink beer, but we're gonna have a scotch eventually. So let's talk about a stock that's getting a lot of hype because it's Super Bowl Sunday and it's called DraftKings. Robert, first of all, thank you for those incredible comments. I'm going to pass them on to Mrs. Kramer, who refuses to use that name, and I don't know why, because it breaks my heart. Okay? But DraftKings reports later in the week, and I think it's going to be a good quarter, but they may announce good things on Monday, for all I know. But I like Jason Robbins. I've been behind the stock since 18, and I'm not backing away. 
Right, look, next week seems busy, but you know what? It's actually just a classic interregnum Google Live before we get to retail earnings. Remember, those heavy earnings weeks are all in front of us, and they're about doing your homework. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, one of the investing principles I preach the most is making sure you keep a diversified portfolio, and that's why we're going to play MI Diversified to see if the eggs in a basket's prey market can pass the test. What is this when I do this? Then Enphase reported a quarter earlier in the week that was nothing short of a horror show. So why the heck did the stock go up? I'm digging in the story find out what could happen next. And Cloudflare, symbol net, jumped over 20% today on earnings, and I'm digging into the spectacular quarter with the company CEO, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. The market's been on a chair lately, hasn't it? But I always say sometimes you need to summon the courage to sell and strength. A green tape, S&P at 5,000, can be a great opportunity for you to reevaluate the performance of your portfolio. That's why we play in my diversify. This is where you call me, tell me your top five folks. I'd say maybe your portfolio is diversified enough, or you need to mix it up a little. So let's start with Anna in Hawaii. Anna, you're a first caller. What do you got for me? Aloha, Jim, and mahalo for all your sound advice. Very kind. We are proud members of your investing club. Uh, my you. husband and I open a trust stock account. My pleasure. 
open a stock account for our six-year-old grandson, Jack Thomas. Jim is Jack Thomas diversified. His stocks are Apple, Ford, Microsoft, Sophie, and Nucor. Wow. As my daughter would say, you're part of the Ohana. All right. She lived in Hawaii, and what a country. I regard it as a country, not a state, because they had a whole different ethos there. A positive ethos where I learned more about Ohana and Mahalo than you could ever say, and that's why one of the reasons Mark Benioff lives there. Okay, let's go to work. A little aside there for Hawaii, part of the tourism, maybe a little bit of tourism there. Okay, so I want to start out by saying that Ford had a good quarter. I'm going to say that auto, really good. Apple, technology, fantastic. SoFi, the financial company that had a really, really good quarter. Stock should be at nine. Microsoft is tech, but we're going to say, wait a second, we're not going to, we're going to allow this because it's okay to have two of the big ones because she knows. Anna knows I have them for my trust. And then Nucor, I should never have sold. She kept. And I think her six-year-old son is perfectly diversified. You got auto, you got industry, you got bank, you got tech. And we're going to leave Apple as what we call in law school sui generis unto itself. I like the work here. And I love Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. All right. Now let's go to Ron in Arizona. Ron. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. So I'm retired for two years now, and I depend on my dividends for income. So I try to pick uh, quality companies that pay a solid dividend. My five holdings and my, my five major holdings are Bristol Myers, City Bank, Devon Energy, Lion Bell Basil, and Verizon. Jim, am I diversified? Well, look at the income this brings in. I absolutely love it. I went, remember we spoke with the CEO in San Francisco, that dividend. He says, please do not wait. You know, it's going to be thick and thin. Verizon actually be able to boost this dividend. A lot of cash flow there. City, I'm a little more questionable in dividend, but I like some of the things that change doing. Devin, we know it's oil and gas, but he does have very high dividend. And Lyondell, well, we've had them on, and they are a cash flow machine. What do we got? We have oil, we have bank, we have drug, we have telco, and we have chemical. And I like like what Ron is doing. Now, Ron also has to compete with the fact that you can get 5% on your CDs, but I like his long-term approach to investing. Now we go to Bob in Florida. Bob. Uh, booyah, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for uh, calling. My five, my five stocks are Apple, NVIDIA, Mercado Libre, Eli Lilly, and New Holdings. Jim, am I diversified? Wow. There's a predilection here for Latin America. And I just want to be sure I don't want to speak out of school when it comes to NU because it is an amazing company and it is doing really well. But I have to say, I'm trying to figure out whether it's okay to have two Latin Americas. That's what I'm doing right now. I know it's a bank and Mercado Libre is the eBay of Latin America. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bless it. Well, I'll tell you why. Latin America is on fire and there are institutions that are doing quite well. So we're going to allow a bank from Latin America and a Latin American eBay. That's good. Eli Lilly, obviously, it's going to be the first trillion dollar drug company because they have the largest drug in history, which GLP just won, which you know might know as Marjaro, uh, or you might know as Zepbam. And then NVIDIA, well, own it, don't trade it. And Apple, own it, don't trade it. So even if I felt that these were uh, not diversified, and I'm saying that they're okay to be diverse, that they are not diversified, but I like to have both. All I can say is you've got the two stocks that I say you can own and you don't trade. And I can't go against that discipline because it's gotten me here. Uh, And those who, by the way, who used to criticize me all the time uh, because of things like that, still criticize me. What can you do? Can't please everybody. I want to hear from Jack in Pennsylvania, my old home, say, Jack. 
Yes, how you doing, Jim? First time caller, long time listener. Oh, fantastic. We love first time, long time. Let's go to work. Okay, first thing is uh, I have a position in striker. Wonder why it rose 30 points last week. And am I diversified? I have Apple, Norfolk Southern, McDonald's, Public Service Enterprises of New Jersey. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember whether this one was also caught up in the GLP. That's one so-called craze. Um, all right. So Stryker, people were saying about Stryker last week uh, and this week that if you lose weight using Ozempic, the one of the Ozempics, what will happen is, is that you will then be able to get a, a uh, let's say, an artificial joint uh, that you would have been denied otherwise if you were obese. So that's what moved up Stryker. It also, I felt, had somewhat of an effect on Zimmer. By, but Zimmer didn't go up near as much as Stryker. So you have artificial limbs. You got Apple and Don't Trade. You have McDonald's. Quarter was not uh, to my uh, not to my liking. I'm going to be very honest. It was not to my liking. Uh, in Norfolk Southern, we have an activist in there stirring things up. PSE and G, I write them a check every single month that makes it so they can pay their dividend. Utility, rail, uh, artificial limb, uh, body part. Uh, own, don't trade Apple and McDonald's. I have to tell you, I probably would trade out of McDonald's and get into Chipotle. It's been my view. It's not new. All right. I want to thank everyone for playing. My Pennsylvania people, how about them? They felt like me. I think you, you can even hear it in their accent. And how about a Y? We haven't had a Y in caller since like 2007. Anyway, thanks for playing. Bad Money's back after the break. Coming up, clean energy hasn't always been a sunny space. But is this company now entering a phase of renewable hope? Kramer has more next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. What the heck is going on in the residential solar space? Well, Tuesday night, Enphase Energy reported a complete horror show of a quarter. I mean, yet its stock still soared nearly 70% the next day. It's kept running all week, including another almost 5% gain today. So how do you justify this seemingly insane move? I'm sure you're asking yourself this because you've seen this stock. All right, let me set the scene. For me, Enphase is emblematic of the whole alleged solar industry. They got their start selling microinverters, which transformed solar energy into usable electricity. Over time, Enphase got into installing entire home and solar systems. And, you know, they did the whole shoot and match. They've now moved into battery storage equipment, electric vehicle charging systems, too. Unlike so many other competitors, these guys actually run a profitable enterprise. And I've long said that Enterprise is among the best operators in the industry. But, and this is a very big but, this industry has been awful. This stock in particular got obliterated last year after a string of weak quarters as Wall Street turned against the entire group. While all things alternative energy got a big boost from the subsidies in that so-called Inflation Reduction Act, it wasn't enough to offset the damage from the Federal Reserve's relentless rate hikes. See, last year we found out that the whole residential solar business is powered by what we call financing. Almost nobody buys for the whole setup up front. Too expensive. And that means solar sales evaporate when the cost of financing soars. Hence why Enphase was the worst performer in the S&P 500 for 2023. It was down more than 50%. What was a great business in a zero interest rate environment became a trouble business when the Fed hit us with five. 125 basis points of rate hikes. Enphase didn't do anything particularly wrong. We just realized that the industry has far more interest rate risk than anybody thought. 
and it made solar products unaffordable. Fortunately, long-term interest rates peaked in October and have since pulled back substantially, while the Fed seems willing to cut short-term rates later this year. Although not as soon as the bulls were hoping. And that's why Enphase saw its stock rebound for $73 at the early, uh, in its early November lows, right when the Fed pivoted, okay, uh, to $140 at its peak in late December. In fact, this thing jumped 24% in three days after the Fed indicated the rate hikes were over. And its mid-December meeting, I admit, it was really clear then that this really was not a solar play, right? It was an interest rate play. Since then, long rates have rebounded off their lows. And by earlier this week, Enphase was once again a $100 stock. Which brings me to the numbers that Enphase reported on Tuesday night. Numbers that allowed its shares to rebound back to 122 as of today after it rallied another 4.8%. Funny thing is, in absolute terms, Enphase reported an awful quarter. Revenues were down 58% year over year, and even down 45% just from the previous quarter. Earnings per share down 64% year over year, and a 47% for the prior quarter. They even had a one cent shortfall of a 55 cent basis. <laughs> Despite its hideous downturn over the past 15-odd months, though, Enphase occasionally managed to put together a decent set of quarterly results. But it never mattered to the stock because the guidance was always hidden. And guess what? It was hideous again. Yeah. This time, while they're forecasting $260 uh, to to $300 million in sales for the current quarter, everybody was looking for $318 million. That's a bad guide down. So how in the world did this stock rally more than 17% the very next day? off those terrible numbers. Did Wall Street lose its mind? No. In fact, this is a classic sign that their business is bottoming. <laughs> CEO Badri Kothendaraman first hinted at the bottom when he was discussing Enphase's guidance, explaining that their first quarter sales forecast was so light, in part because they planned to undership, that's the key word, undership product to their dealers. This is actually something the company's been doing for a few quarters in order to push back against the solar supply glut that happened when rates went up. And they plan to undership in the second quarter, too, but not by as much. More important, Kothan Dahrman said he expects, and I'm going to quote this, this is really the most important thing that happened, the channel to be normalized by the end of Q2. Now, later in the call, he got even more explicit, saying, quote, we think Q1 could be the bottom quarter, end quote. He went on to lay out that Europe's ahead of the United States, already showing, quote, so showing early signs of recovery, end quote. And FAS expects America to follow suit, with the exception of California, where regulatory changes enacted last spring pulled forward a big chunk of demand. California is the largest residential solar market in the country, so it is a problem. But even there, Enphase expects to start seeing sequentially higher revenue numbers by June. Once the question and answer session got rolling, uh, Kothan Dyerman went into much more detail on the solar supply glut that I've been talking about and how things should start looking much better as we get closer to the second quarter. That's what the strategic undershipments are all about. The plan is for Enphase to undership by about $150 million worth of product uh, versus the end, co- uh, end customer demand until demand starts turning around. By the second quarter, Kothan Dyerman says they'll have taken $277 million worth of solar equipment out of the channel. And he expects, quote, the sell-through numbers to the seasonally better, uh, to be seasonally better as you approach Q2, end quote. His optimistic commentary about the business beginning to bottom was enough to transform Enphase's terrible quarter into a positive catalyst. In fact, this was the first quarter that acted as a positive catalyst for the stock since October of 2022. <laughs> Ultimately, Enphase sure looks like yet another, and there's another key word besides undership, de-stocking story. 
meaning the company saw channel inventories build up last year, and they had to burn through that excess product. I've been talking a lot to you about destocking. It's something you see in every sector when you have a glut. Semiconductor cycle, especially with the commodity chipmakers like Micron. That had terrible situation that got destocked. It's something we saw in the life science tools industry, where Danaher and Thermo Fisher have finally worked through their excess inventory and come out in much better places. That's one of the reasons why my, my trust owns Danaher and why I'm telling club members it's not too late to start buying right now. And as I tell you, every time with these destocking stories, there's a pattern to how their stocks tend to trade. If you want to capture the gains from the bottom, you need to wade in to own the stocking question before the destocking ends and the business returns to growth mode. You can't wait for the turnaround to arrive, people. And even if it is painful, the house of pain. you need to buy ahead of time or else you will miss the biggest gains. With Enphase, the stock already caught fire this week. But we're three to six months out from the moments where the numbers start genuinely improving, which means it's not too late for you to buy Enphase. Uh, One caveat here, which is that Enphase is only worth owning if you believe interest rates will fall over the course of the year. I think that's a safe bet, but it's a bet. Here's the bottom line. Enphase, listen to me, listen to me. Enphase could rally like crazy after a horrific quarter because we're finally seeing the signs of an impending bottom that you and I have been waiting for. And because the solar stocks are much more attractive as we head into a lower interest rate world. So you do have my blessing to put a position here then try to snap up some more next time when we get a market wide sell off. Yep. One of the most popular stocks among the Gen X, Gen Y or whatever is back. And it might be almost as big as ever. William in Pennsylvania. William. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Oh, I'm doing good, William. How about you? Very well, sir. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're the reason I'm calling. The, the reason I'm calling is uh, we've owned PP&L stock for over 50 years, and it's kind of floundering. But yet I'm watching Constellation Energy, CEG, and they're doing very well. What are your thoughts on CEG taking over Oh, PPM? I like CEG so much, and we've liked it for a long time. Constellation Energy is all sorts of alternative energies. It is a terrific company with fantastic management. That's the one I would pull the trigger on right now, even though it is high. Hey, how about Gene in Louisiana? Gene! Yes, booyah, Jim. My booyah, name Gene. is Gene, and... Um, I live in a great state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Jim, My daughter went to Tulane, I, so I know it well. Uh, yeah, we got Mardi Gras here Tuesday. Yeah, I'm I sorry. have a portion uh, in Delta Airlines. Do you think it's a hole or sell? Uh, no, or I think buy? Delta Airlines is the class of the field. I like it. I do think that airlines have not been great investable situations, but Delta at 40 seems like a buy to me. But I will tell you, if it gets to 60, I would indeed take the trade. And thank you for calling. Enphase could still rally like crazy after a horrific quarter. That's right. That's why I'm giving you my blessing to put on a small position here and try to snap up some more as it goes down. Much more made money, including my Susan Blue. Oh, boy, red hot cloud flare. After a strong quarter of rosy outlook, I'm talking to the net about how the company is putting its best foot forward to start the year. Then, this, the GOP at 1-1 strike again? I mean, this time with PepsiCo in the course fire? I'm detailing how I think this theme could continue to play out, and it's not all GLP-1. And, of course, all your calls are Tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This 
was an incredible week where stock after stock shot up into the stratosphere of response to great earnings. Take Cloudflare, the internet infrastructure play with a big cybersecurity business. Last night, Cloudflare reported a magnificent top and bottom line beat with excellent guidance for the current quarter and a four-year forecast that was substantially higher than expected. In response, the stock shot up 19.5% today, crossing the $100 level for the first time since early 2022. At this point, it's nearly tripled off its 2022 lows although it's still down more than 50% from its peak at the end of 2021. So can it keep running? I think it can. Let's check in with Matthew Prince. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Cloudflare to learn more. Mr. Prince, welcome back to Bad Money. Jim, thanks for having me. Matthew, you've done some incredible things this quarter. You've some huge contracts. But one thing that drew my eye that you're doing that is really important for our democracy, you may be the, the most important force, I think, between trying to be sure that we have secure elections in this country or not, which many of us are worried with all the things that we hear about, that we could all be fooled by fakes, by crazy things, make us vote the wrong way. Yeah, you know, I think that this year, almost half of the global population is going to be voting. And obviously in the United States, we have a presidential election coming up. And so in 2016, we launched something called the Athenian Project, where we provide our services at no cost to any state or local officials who are helping administer elections, whether they're a blue state, a red state, a purple state, doesn't matter in between. We just want to make sure that cybersecurity isn't the story in the 2024 elections in the United States or really anywhere in the world. Well, you're doing a great thing because I think it's a principal cause of, of, all, of, many, of the angst that many of us feel about the coming election. Now, you have signed some incredible deals, contract valued over $30 million, the largest ever customer in Newell. But you've also done something that I think is incredible. The, the Department of Commerce was hacked pretty badly because we had Gene Raimondo on the secretary. You now have a contract with them. Is that after they realize this just has to end? You know, I think that a lot of, of organizations, whether it's government or officials around the world, are realizing that one of the things that they really have to do is to make sure that they're going to be secure absolutely no matter what. And what we saw with the Department of Commerce was they were going through and replacing a lot of their legacy firewalls, VPNs, with a modern cloud-based solutions. They evaluated everyone in the space and realized that Cloudflare was the best by far, and we're proud to have them as a customer and keeping their, their traffic safe no matter what comes going forward. That is a huge win because the Commerce Secretary, I think, is the most savvy business person in Washington. Now, tell me about what you're doing to make it so that uh, – Regular people, developer, regular developers uh, can really learn how to use AI because I think there's a lot of AI tossed around all the time, but most people don't know how to make use of it. Yeah, so there are three real parts to AI. You have to build and train the models, and that's something that the big hyperscale public clouds are, are great at. You then have to use those models and run inference. And for Cloudflare, we're sort of Goldilocks. Uh, it turns out that the hyperscale public clouds are often too far away from the end users that want to use it. The devices that you hold in your hand aren't powerful enough, but Cloudflare's network is the perfect place to run AI tasks and make sure they are reliable and they can be uh, optimized no matter what. The third piece is you want to actually refine those models and make them custom to your business and whatever it is that you're trying to do. What Cloudflare has done is built an entire suite of products that helps make sure whatever you're trying to do with AI, we can make sure it's fast, reliable, safe, secure, and easy for even an individual developer to get started. Boy, I hope that it's got to come true or else all these valuations are wrong, but I think it will. Zero trust wins. Your zero trust offering is getting gigantic wins. I thought this Fortune 500 hospitality company seemed interesting to highlight because the hospitality companies have been hit exceptionally hard by the bad guys. 
Yeah, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of headlines over the course of 2023 where anyone who is touching a lot of customer data, customer information is being targeted by the hackers. And what we have done is work to make sure that we've got a great product and a great way to make sure that anyone out there, regardless of their industry, whether it's the Department of Commerce, some of the largest uh, hospitality companies in the world, that they have the security and technology that they need to stay safe no matter what. Now, you also made a great hire, someone that we knew on the show, Mark Anderson. I typically don't comment on hires, but this is an exceptional man from Alderix. Tell me what he'll be doing for your firm. So we've known Mark for a really long time. Back before we went public, uh, we wanted to get better at sales, better at go-to-market. And so we reached out to Mark to say, hey, would you be interested in maybe joining our board? And he has for the last four years, four and a half years now, been a member of our board, been an advisor to our go-to-market team. And his, he realized that they were taking Alteryx private. Uh, he wanted to look for what the next thing. And having sat in that board seat, seen all of the opportunity that's ahead for Cloudflare, he reached out to me and Michelle, my co-founder, and said, I'd love to be your CRO. And he's, he's been joining us taking over our go-to-market functions. And I think we, his experience with Alteryx, but also with uh, the experience that he had building the real sales machine at Palo Alto Networks, building it at F5, we're excited to have him on board, and we think it's going to accelerate what we're doing at Cloudflare in terms of getting bigger and bigger wins. Total hitter, although I have to tell you, when you do, when you had 198 new large customers, bringing total to 2,756, an increase of 35% from last year when you saw you. I don't know if you needed a new chief revenue officer, but obviously, Obviously, the business is there to be had for your company, isn't it? It is. And, you know, about a third of the Fortune 500 is already a Cloudflare customer. We're looking for the other two-thirds. And, again, any business that's out there, if they want to stay safe online, Cloudflare has a solution for them. Well, okay, so what we saw you, we saw you a couple times. The last time we saw you, you basically were able to say, listen, Jim, I think that there's so much in the pipeline. Things would be good. Maybe because I think you're also a student of the stock market. What did people not see? You laid it out so well on our show that I just said, okay, that's the bottom. He just laid it out. But there were these non-believers that just not understand your model. What, what was wrong with the valuation? How did that happen? You know, I, I think we're focused on just building a great business and executing every single day. I'm proud of the work that we're doing to secure the elections, to secure the federal government, to secure you know so many different companies that are out there. And, and I'm confident that this over the long term will be rewarded for the performance that our team has, has been able to deliver. And so every day our team wakes up making sure that they tackle some of the hardest challenges on the Internet. And that's turned into a great business as well, and I'm proud of the fact that it's also turned into a great return for our investors. Well, I want to thank you, Matthew. And I don't know if you guys caught that. Matthew's not doing the election stuff to make a lot of money. He's doing it to make democracy safe, which I think is so important at a time of tremendous cynicism and disbelief in our system. I want to thank Matthew Prince, co-founder and CEO of Cloudflare, symbol N-E-N-T, which I'm telling you is going higher. Matthew, it's great to have you on the show again. Jim, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Money's back into the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Chris Benson, I call Robert Friday. I'm sitting in the stock. Tell you about myself. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? That double the lightning round comes up. Let's start with Denise in Minnesota. Denise. Hey, Jim. Been a fan since the Cudlow days. Oh, yeah. My old pal, Larry. What's going on? 
So um, this company is a Minnesota company that's had steady growth for years. It's been uh, making industrial and municipal uh, water treatment. And uh, after a great year last year, they had a correction this year. But uh, I'm wondering, should I buy more Hawkins? Jack Hawkins. The answer is yes. And I'll tell you why. The water chemical business had a really tough time last year. I don't think it can repeat itself. And I think the stock is a buy. Let's go to Bill in Massachusetts. Bill! Bill, you're on. Not sure what to do. Bill, I think I'm going to have to take someone else as sad as that is. Why do we go to Hutch in New Jersey, please? Hutch! Hey, Jim, how are you? Yo! What's going on? I don't know. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm not, you know, I'm not even taking the points. Go money line. What about you? Oh, I'm worried about this company, PayPal. What do you you think should be worried. It? I'll tell you why you should be worried, because that the CEO basically laid out a tale that just says, listen, would you give us a little time? The stock just jumped three bucks. You're getting a chance to do a little, do it for half your position. Chris in Washington. Chris. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Wanted to get your thoughts on Kimberly Clark after earnings and if you think uh, the dividend is sustainable. This isn't the dividend is sustainable, Chris. The numbers were not great, I have to admit. And you got the 4% yield. I think the company is in the midst of a turn, but it's not going as quickly as I'd like. I've got to be very uh, candid about that. Let's go to Elizabeth in Florida. Elizabeth! Hi, Jim. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts on on. All-state group? Well, that's pretty easy. Take a look at your insurance bill. If it's like mine, all it does is go up, which means buy All-state. Ah. Let's go to Dan in Pennsylvania. Dan. Hey, how's it going, Jim? Uh, just had a quick question about CVS Health. I know it's a terrible sector, but they No, have but Karen hands, Lynch so. is executing a turn. It's a very big turn. I think it's going to work. It's not going to happen overnight. But we spoke to her in San Francisco at the J.P. Morgan Conference, and I am a believer. All right, let's go to Mike in Ohio, please. Mike. Hey, Mr. Kramer. You're my favorite Marvel superhero. Well, how about that? Yeah, Magnet, man. Magnet. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You, um, I was calling about the stock ticker L-E-N, the Leonard Corporation. Would- Lenar is so good. It's Stuart Miller. I know he's remembered his dad. What a team. Lenar goes higher. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, will this major snack stock's recent result have investors stress eating? Find out who's feeling the crunch from Big Pharma's new loss leader next. The GOP-1 strike again. Last year, we started hearing that these weight loss drugs were going to take the country by storm. And the very idea of, of them started weighing heavily on all the stocks of the processed food companies. But then when we got their quarters, they were wrong. Not a single company seemed threatened by these revolutionary drugs from Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. They all said they'd wait and watch, but nothing, nothing happening. You can tell they didn't want to ignore the story, lest it, they were clueless if we get ever to a tipping point where it can actually impact the numbers. Today, though, PepsiCo reported mediocre results from its Frito-Lay division. Wow. And the worry is now back. Yep, according to them, the problem wasn't GLP's dash ones 
But it seems that the days of the work-at-home folks are numbered, and that means the great snacking revolution is over. Apparently, when you work at home, you buy bigger boxes of chips than you would get on the way to the office and stop in the convenience store. And, of course, you go through them faster. I'm not kidding. The natural excessive buyer of this stuff is dwindling, and therein lies the weakness, at least according to PepsiCo. We are reverting to pre-pandemic habits, and that is not good for the group. Now, I totally buy into this, but I want to add a caveat. I think we are also witnessing a periodic healthy eating tectonic sea change, where many more younger people are trying to cut down on junk food wholly apart from the potential GLP-1 users. You can see it unfolding this earnings season. McDonald's talked about how the $45,000 under customer is being challenged by their McDonald's costs, okay? They can't afford it. But that same demographic shows zero resistance to higher prices at Chipotle. Oh, and what's different between those two? Yes, a desire to eat healthier. And there's a profound desire to drink less, too. I shuddered when I saw the once red-hot tequila brand, Casamigos, saw its sales fall 14% year over year, according to Parent Diageo. This is staggering, people. I can't recall that kind of big fall off for a big name liquor company ever. And it's not like you saw people convert to Scotch bourbon, gin, or vodka. Their numbers were abysmal, too. It was a wholesale abandonment of booze, which can only mean one of two things younger people increasingly getting buzzed by legal cannabis, or they simply don't want to trash their bodies anymore. I, look, I bet on the former, but there's no other real explanation for the erosion in sales at Casamigos and the turn down in the last remaining strong category, tequila. It could be cannabis. It could be health. It could be both. The tough thing for these companies is they don't really know. They don't know if it's Armageddon coming or not. GOPs are fundamentally about trying to get to where you can't go with just diet and exercise because they both require a lot of willpower, willpower that few people have. It's understandable. Marcus terrible at dieting. We love convenience. And when you take these GOP-1 drugs, you start to be repulsed by excess alcohol, knowing it will make you feel very nauseous the next day. You don't want big bags of chips either because you'll be sated after four or five of them. You can barely eat dinner if you had a decent-sized lunch. In the end, people who take GOPs will simply eat less tonnage. We haven't seen an era where alcohol lost its hold in 20-something since Prohibition. And even during Prohibition, never really went out of style. Yet that is exactly where we find ourselves now. So my take, if you can pass on a Margie with good tequila or a Rice Krispie bar or a bag of, yes, Doritos, you're not going to need to restock your pantry anywhere near as often, which could be truly existential for the food and beverage space. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Oh, but you know what? I feel see you Monday. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 